Hello and welcome to the Education Redefined webcast series, where I uncover educational best practices and share success stories with every single episode. Go ahead, grab a cup of coffee or your favorite drink and enjoy a few moments talking about teaching and learning with me. Hi, my name is Sandhya Lakhanpal and I am your host for this series. Subscribe to our webcast or look out for new episodes on YouTube. Join our Facebook group for the latest trends in the field of education. This week, the spotlight is on Rhonda Hill, where she talks about the importance of early intervention and dyslexia therapy. In this episode, I speak with Rhonda, who began her journey in the field of education about 20 years ago. After failed attempts in securing a public school teaching opportunity in Houston, she was ready to seek another way to help her son. Just at the right time, a word of encouragement spurred a different path, one that she had not heard of during her studies in the ACP. She began her training at Nyhouse Education Center in the fall of 2006. In less than three years, she had graduated from the Dyslexia Specialist Preparation Program. Quickly, she became a licensed dyslexia therapist and a certified academic language therapist. She sees her work as a calling. Rhonda loves turning on the reading, writing, and spelling parts of the brain in her students. Over the last 15 years, her caseload has spanned small groups in at-risk public schools, adult literacy classes, on-campus support for individual students at local private campuses, K-2 reading specialists at private school, and more recently, virtual delivery to students in California, Washington, Ohio, New Jersey, and as far as Japan. She currently owns Great Circle Reading, located in Bel Air, Texas. When she's out of the office, she loves to spend time with her family and friends in Bel Air. Self-improvement and learning to live her faith equip her with the patience and wisdom to be the best version of herself. In this episode, Rhonda addresses what dyslexia is, whether it can be cured or not. She talks about structured literacy, advocacy for children with dyslexia, how to diagnose dyslexia, and most of all, gives a glimpse of what therapy looks like in a real setting. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Rhonda Hill. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me this afternoon. I appreciate you taking the time to speak on my podcast. I'm so glad to have you. I'm delighted to be here. Thank you for the invitation. And I'm excited about what we're going to be talking about today. Yes, yes. And, you know, I know you and I have shared a little bit on your background on how your journey ended up with, you know, touching lives with students who have dyslexia. Um, Can you walk me through where this journey started? How did you come to dedicate your life to this mission of working with students who are diagnosed with dyslexia? I believe the pivotal event was sitting in a teacher parent conference. My husband and I had been called in by my son's preschool teacher um, in the spring before he would be going into kindergarten. And she said, your son learns differently 
we recommend that you get a psychoeducational evaluation for him. Wow. My husband and I looked at each other. We were complete novices with terminology in the academic educational field. So that that term in itself was so foreign to us. But we did know that our son did learn differently because his younger brother seemed to intuit a lot of language and inferencing from body language and that kind of thing. Whereas our older son had not accomplished some of those same benchmarks. So that was the eye-opening point. Okay. And then where did that lead you? How did you build the pillars of support for your son? Like how did you come from not knowing to all this knowledge and therapy that you provide for your students today? Uh, well, I I believe um, it has to do with what my priorities are as a mom and a wife, that I have been given the responsibility to um, work with my, my children to develop them into the best human beings possible. Well, I have zero knowledge about how to do that for my oldest son. And that was then my mission critical assignment is how do I help my son learn language? Um, and so we just went for it. What a, what a wonderful journey you've had. I mean, I'm sure your son has, has grown leaps and bounds from where you, where he started. And, you know, I, your mission is just, it's a calling and it's, it's just so much, there's so much to admire out there. And, and, and I'm sure you have tons of grateful students, um, whose lives you have touched. Um, let me start with a really basic question. Um, for somebody who has never heard the term dyslexia, what is dyslexia and what causes it? Okay, dyslexia is a term that has been defined by the state of Texas, TEA, the Texas Education Agency. And it also is defined by the International Dyslexia Association. So essentially it's the wiring of the brain is not operating in the same way that we expect language, writing, literacy to develop. So it refers to a difference of word knowledge. Used to, decades ago, it was called word blindness before the the term dyslexia came into use. Wow. Wow. Interesting. Interesting. So that leads me to the question, can it be cured? Well, I think um, cure is a word that I don't gravitate to. I tend to think of dyslexia um, requiring rewiring of uh, the thought process of information so that the dyslexic brain can take in the strategies and skills needed to develop literacy skills. So that requires, well, I guess because of the 20 so years 
in the, the past 20 years or so where neurologists and researchers have studied how the brain works, we've discovered that there is this concept of neuroplasticity. And there are many books about how fabulous and how cool our brain is that we can relearn and rewire the way we think the way we show up with each other and the skills that we develop. Dr. Caroline Leaf is one of my favorite um, authors about that. And for dyslexia, we use that concept of neuroplasticity by delivering structured literacy in a way that is systematic and explicit and frequent. So that's the key. So we deliver a lesson and three to five times a week, it's revisited and retrieved so that the brain is working on that retrieval process. So we're developing new pathways in the brain. And then eventually the, those literacy skills are filed in a retrievable spot. I see. So, so what I'm hearing is that even though they learn differently, we can, through practice and sustained therapy, train the brain to learn the structure of the language. I like how you phrase that. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for that, for that perspective that there is light at the end of the tunnel so that not, it's not, parents should not essentially despair because they got a diagnosis of their child being dyslexic, having dyslexia. Uh, no, no, because... As adults, these students, these students, when they grow up to become working adults, they um, develop into creative thinkers. They are the entrepreneurs in our society. They think out of the box. So things that we see as kind of a non-dyslexic brain is something we're, we're bound by structure, whereas a dyslexic is often not bound by that structure. So they, they essentially bring other strengths to the table, which, you know, they can then rely on and, and think out of the box, like you said. Yeah. Um, so let's say somebody just got the diagnosis, was sitting at that table. Let me take you all those years back, right, where you were sitting on, on the table of that teacher where she said, your child needs evaluation, essentially, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, if if somebody suspects that their child has dyslexia, what is a good place to start? Where do they start? What do they do? What do they do? What should be the first steps? Well, I think to first look at the list of characteristics of dyslexia before we jump to a diagnosis. Um, so the, some of the characteristics are hearing sounds. So that's some of the first, uh, I guess, pointers to look for is, can my child rhyme words? Is hearing the final sounds of words, the last vowel final sounds. And then do they hear the sounds that make up the word dog, the dog? And if they can manipulate those sounds, changing the d to ul to get to log, those are really important um, signs to let us know that there's at risk happening. 
And before we jump to diagnosis, let's explore a little bit further with informal screenings. What is their recall of the letter sound sequences? Are they able to instantly and automatically recognize an alphabet letter and give us a sound, a reliable sound for that letter? So those are some ways that a parent can, you know, just explore a little bit more is looking at the characteristics. Um, so I know that we rely heavily on the school system, right? As a parent, um, what can I, what kind of support can I expect from the school system if, if I suspect that my child has a learning disability or has dyslexia? Where, like, how can I engage the school and what kind of supports can the school offer? Okay, that's a great question. Um, many, I talk to many parents every week that are at this exact moment. Mm -hmm. um, and here's what I always say, put everything in writing. So email your concerns to the teacher and attach any examples of what you're talking about. So on the platform I'm associated with, Lexercise.com, we offer a free dyslexia screener. It takes the student like 10, 12, 15 minutes to take, but it lets us know what their phonology and phonemic awareness skills are. And it lets us know what their lexicon has secured so far. So what words are automatic for them that they can't help but read? And, um, these two little pieces of information give us an idea of where to start. So if the child fails both of these screeners, that is something I encourage the parent to attach to an email to the teacher because um, all the concerns, all the work that's done, when you later request a full educational evaluation that needs to be done in writing because that is what is recognized. The informal conversations at the door or carpool, that's great, but don't expect a follow-up unless the parent follows up in writing and says specifically what they're after. I see. Um, so let's say we've gotten past the window of diagnosis. We have a formal diagnosis and a formal testing that's sitting on the table and says, yes, your child has dyslexia. What should be the next step? Um, I know that that there is there are supports through special education in the school system, but mm -hmm. like every parent, you know, you want to offer as many pillars of support as possible. So, what should be my next step as a parent? What can I do? Where can I go find those resources and pillars of support? Um, if you are not, if the parent is not satisfied with what the school is prepared to offer as intervention, there are private offerings. The diagnostic report will offer and include recommendations of the intervention that the child needs to be successful. So fortunately with these reports, especially if you get a private report, um, you will have a game plan and it's up to the parent to follow that game plan. There are also um, 
organizations that can offer parent guidance and Nye House Education Center, their parent office center is one. Right. And there's also the local branch of IDA, Houston branch IDA, and there's a parent support contact there as well. Awesome. So I'm going to dive a little bit into your area of expertise, which is therapy. Um, I want to understand for a novice like me, what is therapy and how is it different from regular instruction? There's just so many people who say they can tutor your kid because your child has dyslexia, but there's a trained therapist, right? You are a trained person who has the knowledge, the skills, the certifications to back it up. How can I tell that this is the right therapist for my child? And how is it different from regular tutoring or regular instruction? That's a really good question because often a therapist and tutor are interchangeable, but yet their worlds apart in their expertise. So my certification is a CALT, Certified Academic Language Therapist, and there is a website that lists my qualifications as a CALT. There's also a directory so parents can find a CALT uh, in their area. And I'm also a licensed dyslexia therapist in the state of Texas. So that's another set of credentials and you can, the parent can go on the website to find out more about those qualifications as well. So a therapist is trained to spot the concerns and where the student is struggling. A tutor helps with homework. So that's a huge difference. Right. Um, so I am, so the, the help that you're offering from a therapy perspective is essentially based on the diagnosis of the child and you're making research-based intervention decisions is what I'm hearing versus a tutor who is simply helping with the homework that was sent home by the teacher. That's right. Okay. I, I think so that, it's, that's it's a huge a difference. Short term, it's a short-term completion, right? Okay, we're going to get the homework done today. Right. But then the, the underlying literacy concerns are still there. Right. Right. And, and that, is, that is not being addressed by a tutor because right. it's, it's, it's not research-based. It's, it's, it's like a Band-Aid. It's a temporary help, right? So... Why is therapy successful? What what makes it that huge difference that that takes a person with learning disability or or dyslexia over the hump? Why is it why is it so what is what makes it research based? Why is it so successful? Well, it started as Orton Gillingham instruction uh, about a hundred years ago, and that was a multisensory kinesthetic way of teaching language because we know sound comes through our mouth and how we hear the sound is important. So in therapy, it's uh, where we use multi-sensory approaches to help the child understand what's happening with their mouth as they deliver sound and how we create words with sounds, how we create syllables with sound. So 
Um, tell me your question again. I, I, let I me rephrase. Let me, no, don't, no worries. I think you've already answered part of my question. But um, I think what I'm trying to understand is if I, as a parent, was to sit in a therapy session, right? I, I want to see my child successful. Like, what should I be looking for in a therapy session? Why is it so successful compared to what regular instruction is in the classroom? Okay, so in a therapy session, the seven domains of language are covered. And that happens every single time. So we're talking about um, the sounds and the letters. We're talking about reading and spelling. We're talking about word parts and vocabulary. And we talk about imagination. We talk about visualization so that when a student does successfully decode a word, that there is a picture that comes with that word in their brain. And then we work on the recall factor with sentence dictation. So being able to apply all the mechanics and syntax of our language and, and put it into a written expression. So that happens every single time we wow, work together. Wow, and, and that's an extremely structured and extremely organized approach, right? Versus right. in a regular classroom, you don't necessarily touch all the seven domains and no. you could probably not have, e even if you are, they're probably not interlinked, right? You're jumping from topic to topic to topic, mm -hmm. which does give them the exposure, but not necessarily the research-based structured approach that you're talking about. Right. Yes, correct. Yes. So here's another interesting twist to it. So I've heard um, like dyslexia coexists with other conditions. Um, mm -hmm. First, first of all, is that true? And how can a parent recognize um, the signs of dyslexia coexisting with another condition, maybe like ADD, ADHD, or what have you? And dysgraphia. So you okay, nailed okay. the big three right there. Mm -hmm. um, so when the psychoeducational evaluation is performed, or a full battery of tests to like the which includes the Connors to look at behavioral scale, um, then usually a team of specialists are brought in to say, here's what we need to concentrate on. Maybe occupational therapy for a while for dysgraphia or um, behavioral work with another therapist, a behavior therapist. There might be speech therapy involved. So, it would, I would encourage a team of specialist experts to weigh in on the best strategy and maybe what to prioritize because our students have schedules of, they want to participate in gymnastics and team sports and they don't wanna to have to spend every single day going to a different specialist. So how does that look in the, in the family schedule, the family calendar, but yet wanting to address uh, the concerns in a timely fashion. Right, right. Um, yeah, so today's kids are, are extremely busy. They have really jam-packed schedules that you are spot on with that. Um, and I, I think 
what 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 you brought to light out there is also what is the bigger area of need right there might mm -hmm. be so many different conditions but what is it that is the biggest area of need that is kind of pushing pulling the child back from success um so i think that therapy prioritization and advocacy i think those are three pieces that go hand in hand what advice as a parent and a therapist would you give to a parent how can a parent advertise for uh, advocate for their child and um, how can as a child gets older how can we teach the child to advocate for themselves that that's a great question about what's the role of the parent and the support process and then what can we teach and expect our child to learn as they they grow older and they move from elementary school middle school high school so what i would recommend is like you are a coach the elementary years you are doing the emailing you are talking with the the administration and getting the support your child needs at middle school you walk in and your child is shoulder to shoulder with you. Okay, so you start the conversation and then your child can give evidence, say what they're struggling with, with the teacher. So that is done. I would recommend either, you know, as at least three, the parent, the child and the teacher. And then I would follow up or ask the teacher to follow up what did you hear us say? What was commented on? What support will you commit to, right? And oftentimes there's an IEP and, you know, some of these things might already be on that IEP, but maybe there's some tweaks that need to be made and a teacher is often flexible to do that if the parent and child are willing to come and talk to them. And then by high school, the child already has experience talking with the teacher. Look, I really need the notes. Um, I can't write fast enough to take the notes. Please supply PowerPoint or, you know, how best can I succeed in your class? I need your help to figure that out. Right. So as we give language to our students and model that, that um, gives them confidence that they need as they go on to college that they can walk into the student services at college and just say, here's my last evaluation. What can I expect in the class? Right. I, I love how you gave very concrete steps on how to advocate for your child and then transition that, that advocacy piece and responsibility to them as they transition from high school um, into college. Um, I want to I want to circle back to the structural, the structured literacy approach that you talked about. Mm -hmm. um, there are so many programs that are out there who claim to be successful with students who have dyslexia. Um, how can how can a parent? And I'm coming at it from a parent's perspective because parents are more novice and teachers are more knowledgeable. How can I know that this is the right program for me? And it has that structured approach that you're talking about, Rhonda. 
Well, I would go to qualifying agency like International Dyslexia Association. That's a professional organization. They've been around a long time and that's their focus to make sure, ensure that our students are learning in a proven way that's scientifically based and researched. So they offer um, support accreditation to different programs that they believe deliver uh, the structured literacy curriculum. And then reading programs that are in the school, that's not their focus to deliver dyslexia therapy. They do not um, have to, I guess, their concern is to deliver a product that could work well and show results. And for most any kind of reading program used in the school, 50 to 60 student, 50 to 60% of the students will learn to read through that program. Mm -hmm. It's the other 30 to 40% who need this structured literacy. And yes, structured literacy will teach children 100%. So every student in the classroom can learn to read using structured literacy. So I wish that would be the wish right. that um, schools would transition from current balanced literacy curriculum to a structured literacy curriculum. Right, right. Because that would that would be the umbrella that covers it all, right? That's 100% right. of the kids that yeah. are sitting in, in the classroom. Um, so I want to, I want to hone in on your, on your skill as a therapist. I know that you, you provide therapy, not, not only here in the Houston region, but internationally. Um, if somebody wanted to consult with you and then potentially have access to your services as a therapist, where can they find you? How can they consult with you? How can they reach you? Okay, well, I am on LinkedIn, so parents can find me there. And I also have a website. And um, I'm found on lexercise.com. I am one of the therapists on that platform that I who delivers instruction. It's once a week for about an hour with a student. And then the platform is structured so that the student logs in and does 15 minutes of retrieval practice at least four times a week. And there's off-screen activities for the parent to do to support the new concept and the new learning. Um, I've been with that platform for about a year and there have been remarkable gains with my students. I'm just, I had posted a few examples on Facebook and um, it's just blowing me away. So wow. wow, big successes, big successes. OK, so I'm going to I'm going to hone in on you brought up the success part of it. Um, can you share some success stories with with um, with us and the listeners? Um, I know you're you've been really successful with your son, but if you want to share either your son's story or a, a student whose life you've touched. I want to assure the listeners that there is light at the end of the tunnel that, you know, therapy really works and the brain can indeed be trained to learn the structure of language. 
Okay. Um, a recent story of success that I had posted on Facebook. Um, I had a parent in Ohio find me through Lexercise and I started working with her third grade son. And at that time, there was not a letter sound correspondence. So when he would spell words, it would just be a random collection of letters. So th they were not recognizable. Mm -hmm. After 14 weeks of therapy, that would be 14 one hour sessions. Plus he and his mom were very diligent about doing their practice. Um, he spelled almost every single word perfectly correct. Oh, wow. And the evidence of the instruction working was so obvious that that would be a really eye-opening example uh -huh. of what literacy can do for a child. Right, right. Wow. I, I, and I'm sure that the parent was heartened by the fact that she was investing in the right place, in the right program, in the right person, and then, and then her child is on the path of success. Oh, absolutely. So it's more than the cost, the financial burden of getting the therapy. It's also the time involved. Right. So even though we say for a parent to spend 10 or 15 minutes with their child two or three times a week doing these off-screen activities, very few of them actually set, a set aside time and schedule that. So it's a priority. But it's really a huge priority that needs to be um, recognized because the child feels valued when the parent wants to spend that time. Right, right. That's that that's connection, right? But the parent mm -hmm. child connection. Well, Rhonda, thank you so much for spending time with me this afternoon. I so appreciate you taking the time to answer questions. Um, I will definitely tell the listeners that all the links and contact um, methodology that you have listed, I will put that in the show notes that if anybody wants to reach out, they can reach out to you. Thank you again for spending time with me today. Thank you. It's been my pleasure. Thank you for listening to this episode of Education Redefined. We welcome feedback. Join our Facebook group to leave a comment or a question. We look forward to hearing from you. Until then, stay tuned for our next episode.